Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a podcast of Building 28 Church, where we discuss the fantasies and fallacies of modern Christian culture with courage, conviction, and compassion. Uh, I am by myself today as host. My my colleague, my good friend, my buddy Peter Trigos cannot join us. He was unavailable. And um, but I have some stellar guests filling in, and I think we're gonna have some great discussion today. Uh, to set it up before I introduce our guests, we had a podcast episode last season where we debated in a friendly manner, I guess you could say, hopefully, the viability of public school versus Christian school versus homeschool in the Christian realm. And it was one of those podcasts that received quite a bit of feedback mm-hmm. and kickback, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we like that. I like good conversation to take place. It also received quite a bit of criticism. Um, and I would say most of the criticism I heard was based upon uh, not the content per se, most of it, but um, more so positions that were held and not why they were held, but just that positions were held and projected forward. So what it did is it kind of opened the door to me for me to begin having conversations with some good friends who have children in public schools, with some public school educators, um, with friends who grew up in the public school system. And I asked them, and they graciously agreed, at least some of them did, uh, to join me on Out of Oz to discuss and really answer a couple of questions today. One, can public school, public education be biblically justified? And two, a second question, can there be a case made that is actually a better option, at least for some parents, than private or home education? So joining me on the podcast today, we have the dynamic duo. Yeah, and, man. Uh, no, yes. no strangers to Out of Oz. We've had uh, the better half by far and away. Sarah Hayner on a couple of podcasts. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, agreed. And uh, Sarah has been in the education system for more than a decade, right? Yeah. All right. Um, public education system, mostly. I did charter. For, yes, charter, for a little bit. Yeah, okay. Both. And um, gr- you grew up in public school. Public school. Yeah. Yep. Where did you go? Uh, I went to Belcher, Curtis. Okay. Fundamental middle school and then public high school. In public high school. Clearwater High. Clearwater yeah. High. Yeah. A tornado. Tornado. The real CHF. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we've had some good discussions. Yes. Looking forward to another great discussion today about this. And uh, one of the things I'll go ahead and say is you don't have to agree with me or Sarah or Jason right. or Danielle on this. Right. Everybody is entitled to their opinion on this. It just should be a biblically shaped and informed opinion. Yeah. And there's we, obviously a right one. We, yeah, obviously. We also have her by far worst half and uh, the, <laughs> the man who got destroyed uh, on on our Back to Blue podcast as a firefighter last season. Ooh. But uh, no, uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Jason Hayner <laughs> here. Yeah. 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 Excited to have him, Mr. Smiley. On, uh, Mr. Smile, thanks. The babe. achiever, Thank you. the yeah. performer, the life of the party. You've taught so. me so much about me. And you grew up in the public education system as well. I did. Okay, where'd you? Yeah. where'd you go? I went to Ponce de Leon Elementary. Okay. What, then I went. What? 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 Same with you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, and look at us. Look at us. Uh, then I went to Oak Grove Middle. Then I went to Clearwater High. Is that where you guys met? Well, she yeah. had been following me around False. a little bit yeah, before that, it, but yeah, it. you yeah. get. I mean, yeah. And, but yeah, uh, that's church and yep and. Clearwater High, and then uh, SBC after that. Awesome. All public, cool. and I'm a believer, and I love the Lord. <laughs> hey, 
with all my heart. Miracles happen. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we also have one of my <laughs> new homies, uh, Miss Danielle Felton. Yeah. New yeah. homie. Yeah, new I homie. Like, new I homie. like that term. Danielle, you're going to have to get closer to that mic oh. so they can hear that lovely new voice. New homie. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Uh, Miss Danielle, how long have you been? She's an educator. How long have you been in Six the, years six, in education. Six years in education. Prior to that, I had a career in parks and recreation at a rec center. So I like switched careers. You were mm. on parks and recreation. Basically. Real okay. life parks and recreation. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and did you grow up in the public school system as well? I did. You did. Okay. So product, we have three products of the public school system. Wow. Additionally, Jason and Sarah, two of your children are in the public school system right now, or is it just Parker? About to be two. Bobby, yeah, two. Yeah. Bobby yeah. two in public school system. And so, uh, like I said, we have questions we want to raise. And we want to really begin. I really want, we want to begin this with asking you guys, when the podcast came out last year, mm. or a few months ago, I guess now, as those who are proponents and at least semi-advocates, if not full-blown advocates of the public education system, what were your thoughts? What were your takeaways? What were kind of your reactions to that? I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Sarah. So I, I want to hear it. Like the people want to hear this. So give let's the people do it. what they want, <sighs> babe. So I think there was a lot of good feedback as far as I really enjoyed. Was it Amy? Amy. Yeah, Amy. So I loved her stance of why she chose public school because she felt like her parents did her a disservice with the homeschooling sure. route growing up. And I'm like, I I feel like that's awesome to hear because. You know, not just because everybody can homeschool that it's necessarily the best fit for their kid. Um, as far as the private school argument, that's not really feasible for everybody. And I think that's that is that is a response that we receive from numerous people. Yeah. That um, while that works financially for some, it does not work financially for others, and no amount of cutting the budget and trimming the fat, so to speak, will make that work, especially if you have three or four or five kids and you live on a modest income. And so that is something very viable that we want to address and we want to affirm. Um, Jason, mm. you, you probably have a, a much more aggressive way of approaching the, <laughs> the response to the podcast from last, last season, right? I would say it's probably a little bit more aggressive, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what, no. what, what is your, what's the pushback there for you? First of all, I, I don't think I would say that there is an objective truth here. And I appreciated both perspectives uh, that were offered uh, on that podcast. And I think that there's credibility in the homeschooling and in the private school. I, I, I don't have a, an issue with either of those. I personally have my, my view, uh, which you, you'll hear here soon, but I think that there's obvious benefits to both homeschooling and private schooling. And when you have those options or those desires or the yearning in your heart to do one of those, then I don't think that it's wrong. It's not wrong to do either of those. Um, well, that's yet to be determined. But uh, but I appreciate I appreciate, yes. I appreciate your position. On so that. I think there's a lot of subjectivity <laughs> to it. And I, I don't think that uh, I would say that they are wrong. I just uh, or that I am right, I think that would be unfair to say. I think it's circumstantial, situational. I think it's also um, lack kind of, of information too, though, like that parents don't have on public schools of what yes, they I, have. Yes, I don't think that. Yeah. I agree. Sarah's 100% public school right. has such a bad rep because of hearsay versus parents do have options. Sure. There's well, a lot of stuff in the public school system that uh, I don't think that people utilize. Right. Um, well, we're going to get into all of that. Yeah. Miss Felton. I feel like you have something you would like to interject into this conversation. I mean, first of all, I always feel like I have something to say. Um, not that it's always right or necessary, but I have something to say. So the last podcast, I feel like I'm very neutral. Like I 
product of public school. I'm an educator too. We forgot that in the intro. I teach at a private school. So like I have the educator mind. And one thing that I would push back on, even in your intro, I think you said like, could it be just a good option for parents? But I think that what is key in my perspective is, could it be just a good option for the children? Because like in my educator mind, I'm like, I want to be an advocate for kids, right? And so yes, parents ultimately are the decision makers, but we have to keep in mind the kids too. And so I feel like the last podcast, I I appreciated all perspectives. And I think it really does come down to personal conviction. But I also feel like I would have a really hard time saying biblically homeschooling is the only way to go or the best way to go. Because I feel like biblically, I mean, any way could be what's best for that situation. It's all So with that said, I'm going to stay right with you. Okay. Okay. What what is what is the justification? You, you know, you have you have children or you're talking to parents who have children that you, and you're saying we are choosing um and I think the word intentional was used a lot or proactive was used a lot on the last podcast and and hopefully everybody listening has adopted a very proactive position with as they choose the educational system for their children. What is the justification you make for public education? So public education, and I don't work for public education, so I like I don't want to come off ignorant. And luckily, Sarah's here who does. But like <laughs> their amount of resources is vast beyond like measure compared to homeschooling resources or even private schooling resources as far as like a different kind of learner. Like not every learner learns the same. And so I feel like in a public school system, if you have a, somebody who learns differently, they're going to be given resources that they wouldn't have at home or that would be very hard to get at home. And like even just that alone, I think is, beneficial for that learner. But just, I think also the whole idea of like learning only happens at school is something that like, we just have to put on the table that like, that can't be our perspective in this conversation or in having kids, like learning has to happen all the time. And so I don't feel like it's non-biblical to have somebody specialized in teaching reading, teaching my kid how to read. Because there are certain like lingos and science and research behind it and using context clues and I mean, decoding words or is the fluency like there's certain terms that like, sure, homeschool moms do a great job. And I'm not saying they can't. Sure. But if they don't have like the training and passion, expertise yes. and passion behind yeah. it, like I can see that that could be really hard, especially when they get to certain levels. I mean, nearly impossible, I would say. I only teach third grade. And sometimes I'm <laughs> like, I need to brush up on that before I help this kid work through whatever they're working right. through, you know. So and that's as an educator. Yeah. I, I get it. I, mm-hmm. I I see that that perspective. I've got a little bit of a pushback. I've got, I've got, well, I've got a couple points here that I wanted to bring to the fore and just get your opinions on. But Jason, yeah, defense of public education. <clears throat> Why? Why you choose this for Parker, for Ryan, for your chittos? Sure. So I feel strongly that the core values that the kids will learn and adopt as their belief system, adopt as their conviction, uh, the lens at which they look through life is learned at home. That it should not be the public school systems, the private school systems, or the homeschool system, obviously that is going to be very blended. But that's not that their job to teach my kid what to believe. Uh, It is their job to teach my kid root words and teach my kid uh, language and math and science to a certain extent. But by that token, if I remove what their core values are being taught, because that's not their job, then I'm okay with the public school system that has to go through rigorous amounts of uh, blue tape, red tape in order to be pushed out to our kids. Do you guys agree that or disagree that 
every instructional method in the world is born from a worldview. Like, like so kids are learning yeah. mathematics and logic yeah. and science and origin and ethics. And all of these things are very important in shaping their lives. And it is being born from, it's being pushed from like mm-hmm. a worldview. And the public education system has clearly made a position that they are an anti-God worldview. Like there's an anti-God, meaning it, when Christ says, if you're not with me, you're against me. Mm-hmm. It's either a Christian worldview mm-hmm. or it's an anti-Christian worldview. Can the case be made that public education is a Christian worldview or that children are being taught logic and mathematics and science and origin and ethics? And and I would argue the absence of... I would argue from my research mm-hmm. and having a child who went to public education for one year, even though it was kind of more of a classical education of sorts, there's an absence that I see and that many see, many very brilliant minds see of absolute beauty, goodness, and truth. Absolute beauty, goodness, and truth that the, let's call it the government-sponsored education system has espoused, upon which the Western society was founded and grounded. That the, the, the ideas of there's absolute truth in the world, there's absolute beauty in the world, there's mm-hmm. absolute goodness, all of that is evaporating very, very quickly. It, it has in most settings. And so my argument, and I think those who would land where I land, and I just want to be very clear. Yeah. I just want to be very, very clear. Okay. Well, Ho- get, hopefully we'll all still be friends after this clear podcast. It up. And hopefully if someone disagrees with me, we can disagree on the Bible. And that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. We had but, a good run, man. But, <laughs> yeah, I, hope, I hope it's still a good run. Um, but I would argue that when we subject our children to, from kindergarten through 12th grade to almost 15,000 hours of sitting in a classroom with most, by and large, peers that are denying the Christian worldview, the existence of God, the creation story, the Imago Dei, the gender identity that God has given us, and with an educational system that at least it would seem from what I know, and Daniel already said, you know what, maybe maybe I have misconceptions, and that's what you guys are here for, but an educational system, government-sponsored educational system that has said that you cannot stand upon a balance of absolute truth and absolute goodness and absolute beauty. Um, And by refusing that, you are then teaching, I believe, and as I see it, you're teaching logic and you're teaching origin and you're teaching science and you're teaching ethics based on an anti-Christian worldview. And so, yes, the parents try to do a good job at home with that, but they're combating that. Like Daniel said, education does not only happen in the school. I agree, but it does happen in the school. It happens at home. It happens in all areas of Mm -hmm, life. mm -hmm. So, All that to say, if there's no neutrality, if they're either being taught all of these things, educated all these things through a Christian biblical worldview by parents or in an educational system, or they're being taught in an anti-Christian, anti-biblical worldview, because it must be one or the other, can can a justification be made with that? I mean, or what is the response to that? Sarah, it looks like you have something prepared. Well, I was just, it made me think of... um, well, so a couple of things. I do believe there is a lot of hearsay about what is being taught in schools. And sure. for me, if my child came home and said, mom, my teacher said this, but we learned this, you know, um, about creation. I love that those those talking points to come up. And I know a specific family I'm thinking of um, that their child did that and is ready to go back to the teacher and will not put down and say, like, this is what I believe. And I love that. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, that's wins, parent wins. But Defending um, your faith. Yeah. 
And I um, was talking to a few families and one of the arguments was like looking at people who have gone through Christian school all the way. Are those people who went to Christian school closer to the Lord? Sure. Not necessarily, you know, Uh, just to be clear, I'm not a big proponent of Christian education. Hate me if you want. I'm coming at it more of a having become slowly convinced over the last 18 yeah. months. Um, and COVID helped with that in many ways. But that the parents are the primary educators of their children. And I, I get it that not everybody likes that, but that's well, where I am. But it helped to merge your arguments, too. That would help give perspective if public school is like anti-Christian. A Christian worldview in a Christian school is not always Christian either. I agree. And a I Christian, agree. like a claiming parent. I mean, we're parents are flawed, too. So even though right. we're homeschooling our yes. kids like that. Could be an anti-Christian. I mean, typically in a Christian school, just to answer those who are proponents of that, you are going to get at least an Imago Dei, roughly, understanding of that we're made in the image of God. Um, There's not going to be typically a gender crisis, at least not yet, of gender identity and sexuality pushed upon. Um, I know here in Florida, thankfully, uh, critical theory has Mm -hmm. been banned from public schools. I think it was just affirmed today, actually, um, and DeSantis tried to push it through a little bit ago. Um, So that's good, but... When, the he's, when, when, he's, when he's gone, like, right. who knows how much longer that's going and to be I'll held say, off. And i for us as parents, like, we have our own boundaries of, like, sure. if something does happen, sure. that red flag, we are year-by-year, kid-by-kid case basis. And obviously, those are the things in the red flags yeah. we'd look out for. But again, I think a lot of it is hearsay. And even he has a cousin that does live in New York who they're choosing uh, public school. And none of that's being taught in curriculum. Yeah. And I was bringing up a point, too, to Danielle earlier of... I think parents don't know they have the option to go in and view when there is new curriculum being brought to the public schools, especially in Pinellas County. Something new is being brought up. It is open invitation. Parents here, come see what we are going to be teaching. Here are the options for the new curriculum for the new years. And just to be clear, like Sarah said, like we are pro public schools, but we're not ride or die public schools. Whereas if critical theory came in and that was something that they were teaching our children, that like we're not. Absolutely not. We're not okay with yeah. that. So in the public schools in Pinellas County, for example, the issue of gender and sexuality is not being pushed at all on any level, even in public I high think schools. for adults, maybe like a teacher's union saying, but they're not teaching this okay. to the kids that, that's good. by see, any I, means. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And you see these things on social media about the parents speaking out sure. uh, about these types of things. Um, and th- I, maybe there are isolated pockets of that happening and, and certain uh, school systems or locations, but uh, like Sarah and Danielle both are in Pinellas County and that's not the case. And like you said, our governor is uh, doing a good job at combating that. But so in the, in the 19, obviously in the 1950s, 1960s, you know, and even obviously pre-World War II, um, before really the rise of much that has gone wrong in culture and society, um, there was not a huge push for government-sponsored education, but even when there was, even as it became to develop over the last century and a half in, in the United States, um, the things that are that are now taught in public education were frowned upon 40, 50 years ago. Um, and and not, not to say it's happening here in Pinellas. I don't know because I'm not in the in the public school system. I was system. just about to say, give me an example. But, <laughs> so, so sure. Um, Get him, babe. Get him. No. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, no. I'm, I'm curious what he's um, so things like evolution, yeah. for example, was was not pressed mm-hmm. upon children prior to, and I had the date, and I, I don't remember, but mm-hmm. I want to say 1950s or 1960s. Like that was not pressed right. in, the, in the school system. Um, things like the banning of prayer in school or mm-hmm. reading your Bible in school were not banned until the last 60, 70 years. And once again, the reason it's banned is because in every 
from what if you when you study history and it's not just the United States, you look back pretty much any culture. This goes all back to the Roman Empire, um, where I think it was the Emperor Julian banned Christianity to be discussed or taught in the government-sponsored education in the fourth century. And they did that because it has always been known by the intellectual elites in society that whoever controls the educational system controls the culture. They shape the culture through the educational system. That, that explains why, in my opinion, it explains why Christians, as well as Muslims, mm-hmm. but religious people are having the most children today. And yet the culture is not changing because I think the educational system, higher education, as well as middle school, high school, elementary school, is shaping minds. And parents who are proactive and believers are doing their best to combat that. Mm-hmm. But I have a quote I'd, I'd love for you guys to respond to and, and hear along these lines, because I have read it. And uh, as a parent, it scares me. So Dave Black, who is a philosopher and theologian at uh, Southeastern Seminary, said this, no academic skepticism. No secularist authors, no blatant materialism can so undermine the spiritual life of the country like the completely secularized training of the child under the authority of the state. Mm. Um, now, this is, this is somebody who would not haphazardly or flippantly say something like this. This is an academic who is saying, um, and I'll follow it up with this, Hodge, A.A. Hodge said this, I am, I am as sure of Christ's reign as I am that a comprehensive and centralized system of national education separated from religion, as is now commonly proposed, will prove the most appalling and generally for the propagation of anti-Christian and atheistic unbelief and of anti-social nihilistic ethics, individual, social, and political, which this sin-rent world has ever seen. Basically, these are strong antagonists of the state-run education system, not even because, to bring the conversation back, not just because of what is being taught, but because of the lens through which it is being taught. So it's not about, are they teaching critical theory mm-hmm. or evolution or sexuality that's contrary to scripture? It is that they're, they're teaching this through a worldview and shaping young minds through a worldview that is purposefully anti-Christian. So maybe just in response to that. Sure. And this, I'm speaking for me, and I, I'm a, I'm an odd bird, and I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I know that uh, I I may think and perceive things differently than other people. But sure. when I'm going through school, and I went through the public education system, at no point in my education was I looking for my belief system in school. I was just trying to get through the classes. In fact, most of my school. Sarah did for me. I cheated off of her and everything that I did. And, um, and you're and you're advocating this. And system. I'm advocating <laughs> okay. the public school system. <laughs> so we can thank Sarah for me finishing high school, at least high school. Uh, but my point in that is I would venture to say that our children have probably a couple primary influences. And most of them will probably be their friends their parents up to a certain age after that, their friends, and then at higher levels, absolutely, their education. But sure. at those higher levels of education, it would be our goal that their core belief system is fairly set in stone and that is not 
to be influenced by professors at liberal universities or by my high school teachers or, or that fact. My friends, my, uh, my prayer for my children all the time is that, Lord, you would let them make godly friends. Godly friends that, and sure. like the teacher yeah. that is best fit for our children. Like that is what we pray every year for our kids. Like it's the teacher like, that they get. And Sarah does a great job. We She looks, she knows the teachers in the schools sure. and anybody can do a little bit of research and see what what teacher is really invested and where do I want my kid placed? Or for learning that, styles for that matter, yes. going off of like what Danielle was saying earlier. You know, I shared an office with another teacher and my brain is very structured, organized. That works for me. And, thank yeah. you. Yes. yes. He hates it. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the teacher I shared an box. office with, <laughs> she is totally gung-ho with the yoga balls, kids under the desk. Like for me, that's too much stimulation. But the things are out there. If that's what's sure. best for your kid, and that might be best for my kid, but... Those are there. You well, can. You, but I, you would. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I go think ahead. this is a great bridge for yeah. my thoughts on this whole yeah. idea of the state, the anti-Christian education concept being taught to the kids, because I think we're forgetting a very important filter, and that's the educator yeah. or the teacher. And I feel like as an educator, I want to be a voice for the educators because that has to be considered. So although, and I'm not going to argue that it's not an anti-Christian worldview but it has to be processed through a teacher. And I'm at an independent school, so I can't speak from public school, but I'm not at a Christian school. And you better believe I'm given content and I'm going to teach it best for the kids. Kids, Like I'm going to only think about the kids when I'm teaching any type of concepts or learning styles in my classroom. And I know so many non-Christian educators that I would not think twice about putting my kid in their class because I know they would get a great education. Yeah, so non-Christians can teach from a Christian worldview. And certainly Christians better teach from a Christian worldview, even if the system Mm. through which they have to teach is – what I mean by non-Christians teaching through a Christian worldview is without even acknowledging – maybe they acknowledge there's a God. Maybe even they acknowledge Jesus. But like like I look at some of the greatest minds who've ever existed, they see a lot of credence in Christianity, especially in the moral side of Christianity. And so they'll teach from that Christian worldview, that Judeo-Christian worldview, without espousing those ideas. And so I think there is credence to that, and I affirm that, that it would be much better if if my kids in the public education system, if they have a teacher, believer or non, it would be great if it was believer, but even non, who's going to teach through a Christian worldview, but that teacher is still subjected to a worldview, at least as far as I understand it, a government-sponsored worldview that prohibits them from sharing certain things and bringing illumination to minds in a certain way. And so if, if somebody's listening, and I've made it clear in the past as a pastor, I want to make it clear again, I don't think it is a sin. I'm not where some of the guys I read and follow where they are, where they would say it's a sin to put your kid in public school. Mm -hmm. I'm not there. So just in case somebody's listening, you don't have to leave our church. You don't have to hate me. I'm sure you will because a lot of people hate me. And in all seriousness, seriousness, uh, thanks, buddy, for now. Uh, (laughs) But in all seriousness, I struggle with the wisdom of it. Even if it's not necessarily a sin, I Mm -hmm. struggle with principles applied that that is the wisest choice. That's fair. um, To to put our children under subjection. So here are the three, here are the three points that I laid out from my estimation that I want anybody listening to to consider. That I want you guys to pick apart if you like. But this is where I struggle with the idea of ever putting my kid back in the story. Hey, cards on the table. My wife, who you guys are friends with, she's great. We love yeah, her. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She were not for me. I, I, our kids might be back in the public education system. We're not for the conviction. So my wife doesn't even share this. So you might be in a, in a marriage right now that doesn't share this conviction. You might have different ideas. But here's where I stand anyway. I don't believe that any parent can sufficiently make up for the humanistic indoctrination in the public school system that go, that takes place. We talked about 14,000, 15,000 hours 
when Pew Research tells us that the average, maybe you guys are different. I, I believe you're different because I know the Hainer family and maybe our listeners are different. But Pew Research reveals that the average Christian family spends less than 40 minutes discussing or reading the Bible together every week. So less than that, and yet your children, 35 to 40 hours every week, 1,200 hours a year, 14, 15,000 hours over the course of their, their uh, schooling, just to up to high school graduation, will be in an anti-God, humanistic, Marxist center of understanding and education. That's, that's hard. Um, so that's, that's point number one. I, I think uh, Vody Bakram says this, and he's one of those that hates hates public school. So I'm not quite where he is, but um, if we think, he says, if we think we can keep our children in a secular school system and escape the dumbed down, amoral and immoral results of secular humanism in schools, we are sorely mistaken. Now, very antagonistic toward public school. What is your response to that? I have an initial sure, response. Please. And I feel, and maybe this is something for later. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. No, please. I'm jumping ahead, but this whole idea, and I know you kind of brought up earlier about like a single mom or financially, they can't afford to stay home and teach their kids. And so like, for me, and I appreciate you saying you don't think it's a sin to send your kid to public school. Not yet. But there are people <laughs> kidding, who do kidding, think that. And for that, I just would offer the perspective of like, so for instance, I'm single foster mom, right? I don't have a kindergarten child. But if I did, I would have to send that kid to public school. So if those people who think it's sinful, they would excuse that sin for me because of my situation, but they wouldn't excuse that sin for somebody who thinks their child would get a better education in public school than them homeschooling because they're not gifted. gifted right. And that's kind of where I like mm. crash into this, like trying to like wrap my head around it because how does that make sense? That I could be justified because of my situation, but somebody who's married, but doesn't necessarily want to sacrifice their gym membership to homeschool because they know that they're not gifted in educating children you know, so I don't know. That's kind of where so, I clash. That's immediately where it takes but you. You would see that there's a big difference between a single foster mom who's trying to provide for the children under her care that God has placed there under her care and someone who's not willing to sacrifice a gym membership or a hobby or pursue. I mean, I th there'll be a difference between those things, right? Well, like, like, so yeah. Things that aren't necessary to life. Yes. Like, like some would say a gym membership are, but it's really not. I, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, no, I'm just saying that there's a yes. difference but between any, those But things. you could also I, use the argument, argument to like your car payment right. and you take public transport. You, you could get extreme sure. and it could be a lot of different situations. I like what you said, though, when you said if that parent recognizes that they're not gifted in homeschooling. Like that's, I think, a pretty significant undertaking. And I think, and I don't know, maybe the homeschool parents out there would speak to or, or against, but... I would have a really hard time doing that if I didn't 100% believe in it. Like I thought, yes, I'm called to do this, but I'm not gifted in this way. Do you think that's a product of the culture that we're in? Because, I mean, you go back 200 years and mm -hmm. either you walk to a small schoolhouse where right. a mom typically or maybe a young lady would teach um, or a young man, or it was most, most of the time education in homes and culturally that was just the way of doing oh, things. Sure. That was just the way it was. And so I, I personally argue that we are in a culture now of keeping up with the Joneses that, mm. and, and look, everyone has a different story. You're right, Daniel. Like everyone has a different story and some people just clearly can't do homeschool, home education. They can't afford private education. I get that. But I do think we're also living in a culture where there are a lot of justifications made that aren't actually legitimate justifications. That's fair. But also what she was saying as far as like, is that parent equipped to homeschool? Because so I do homeschool evaluations and 
So I, I, I want to address that because I yes. think that, that's very important. I, I don't think there should ever be personally, once again, and from a biblical principle standpoint, that we do all things well for the Lord. I don't right. think there should ever be a justification made for lackadaisical, um, disconnected home education. Mm-hmm. Like it should be, there should be a, a rigorous pursuit of excellence right. um, to teach, especially when it comes to the core centers. Yes. You talked about the vast array that public education offers in comparison. And I get that a mom or a dad, to be fair, mm-hmm. either one of them can do this. Yeah. Moms have historically been the nurturers um, when it comes to that, but that doesn't mean a dad can't be heavily involved or even stay at home dad. Um, so I just want to be clear, just somebody brought that up. Um, but Bless that but, man's heart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I mean, and, and Jimmy, I understand it's tough, but I also understand that families did it for hundreds of years across different cultures and societies. And so for me, as I look at this from kind of this perspective of, um, you brought up earlier a guest on the podcast last year who said her parents failed or struggled to do this. For so her. Th- yes, she I get said, it. Yes. I get, I get it. Yes, I get that. And I love that individual and I love everybody who's on the podcast. But I would just say that when I hear that from somebody, that doesn't, if my parents struggled in their marriage, that does not mean that I shouldn't pursue God-glorifying marriage. And so that doesn't give a license sure. or liberty to say, just because I saw it done bad, that doesn't mean it can't, can't be course right. corrected and <clears throat> done sure. right, you know? Yeah, and, that's, there's no objectivity also, to that. Also, I would say that if God has providentially placed a child in your home and the spirit of God is within you, then I would argue you have everything you need to instruct that child. It is a matter of difficulty and diligence and patience, God-given patience. I get it. Yeah. But I, I, the, the excuses that I hear, at least, of I'm not wired to do that, or I'm not driven to do that, or I don't love doing that. Like, our kids, as fathers and mothers, our kids, and I know none of y'all disagree, are our primary gift right. in this world. The, the primary thing that we are called to cultivate and to disciple and to pour over. Yeah. And when I look at these things, so the, the indoctrination was one. Number two was um, nowhere in Scripture do we find any justification in scripture, for giving our children to the state to be missionaries, that's that's what I see. That very influenced, very impressionable. Obviously, when they get to high school, maybe a little stronger, not as malleable. Um, when they get into college, hopefully, their faith has become their own. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, cat out of the bag again, I am not a big proponent of people going away to college. Uh, I've seen the shipwreck of many lives, and stats point us to the shipwreck of mm-hmm. many lives when people go away to Christian or, or yeah. state-run education. Um, but so biblically, I don't see a justification. I see a lot of instruction, like uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. That's the mouth of Jesus, those red letter words. And so who is primarily instructing our children? It I love what Danielle said that you have a Christian educator even in the public school system, and that's going to help. Sure. But when they're subjected to kind of this, to an anti-Christian worldview, and they're subjected to the students who we all know, especially as they progress older and older, have such an influence on our on our children in Christian education and public education, such a profound influence, they're going to become like those who are instructing them, Jesus says. So is is there anything that you guys, Danielle, anything that you would offer in response to it? Do you see a biblical justification? There's been some some ideas raised, but is there a biblical justification for this? So I, I feel like as far as biblical justification, my mind automatically goes to like, I don't feel like it's sin to put your kids in public school. And I know sure. we already talked about that. So as far as biblical justification to do it, I mean, I can think of a lot of reasons that the world could benefit. Me personally, I think I became a Christian through a friend in high school. So I just looking at my 
example. Sure. Like we are called to be the salt and light of the world. So like we're just going to keep them at home until they're ready. And are they ever going to be ready? You know, so like that's that whole concept. Will they of, be tried? Will we they want be to tested? protect them. We want to control. And I get that. Like I'm not and I don't have an older kid in school and I get that I would want to protect them and mm-hmm. I would want to control everything. But I also know that like I don't have that control and I have faith in a God who does have that control, which is, sure. you know, peace giving. But the justification is God can use them and will use them and bring the salt and light to like younger students. Socially at school, they're going to have some problems, but learning still happens. And when they come home, you work through them with your kids and you're going to take them to the park and they're going to have problems. And hopefully their teachers are equipping them to solve their problems at school. And I'm helping them at home and together it takes a village. We always hear that it takes a village. So, I mean, biblical justification other than salt and light, you know, like there is, but for more so my mind goes to, I don't think it's sin to send your kid to. This is what I kind of struggle with is we talk about predestination, the sovereignty and the providence of the Lord. And he knows us by name before we were born. And like when you introduce the public school versus the private school versus the homeschool into our predestination, it's almost as if that education is the deciding factor on if our children will love the Lord. Like, at what point do we say it's bigger than any influence that myself or our wife's or our friends or our school system or our homeschool system or private, like, it, are our souls not counted before we are born? Yeah, I mean, and I, to answer your question, as a pastor and a parent, I would say we never reach that point because human responsibility is a dominant truth of scripture, as is the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, while predestination is a biblical truth, and we're going to stress on this season, and while he knows our name and he favors us by grace, at the same time, souls are shaped, and we would all admit this, totally. souls are shaped by parents and by educators and by friendships. Like they're shaped, like the sovereignty of God employs yes. souls to save. So, so the, a parent could, by that logic, not that you would, but a parent could go, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really pray over my kids or teach my kids the Bible right. because if God has chosen them, he's chosen them. And no, like none of us would do that because we understand that while God is sovereign, we are still responsible for using the yes, hands and the feet absolutely to mold. Yeah, absolutely. And so then, then as a parent, we critically sit back and go with a critical mind, go, what is going to help shape and mold and develop my little ones who I adore and yes. they mean more to me than anything else in the world. What is going to shape them and mold them the most? And while Daniel's right, you're right. We can't control the outcome. We can pray and preach the gospel sure. and instruct and protect. My the, the third thing I'll bring up here and then Sarah, the, the third point I had was that nowhere in scripture are we called to commission our children to be missionaries while they are young and malleable, okay? It is a train up a child in the way he should go so that mm-hmm. when he is mature, when he's old, he'll not depart from that. Right. That doesn't mean a child can't be a missionary. It doesn't mean children don't share the gospel with other people. But this idea seems to be the only excuse yes. that I hear, the only viable thing I hear of, of, okay, here's the justification, like my somebody witnessed to me. Hey, great. You know what? We used to have, and I, I don't say this jokingly, I, Daniel laughed at me the other night, but we used to have a strip club ministry here at the church. For If you're wondering, yes, strip club is a little more extreme than public school, maybe. But uh, 
But we, we, we used to have a strip club minister here where ladies in the church would go into the strip clubs and witness. I would contend if they were living in those strip clubs 40, 50 hours a week, it would damage their souls. For our ladies to walk in there for an hour, minister to the dancers, give them the gospel intentionally, and that was their reason for being there. Their reason being there was not to be educated in the system of the strip club and the worldview of the strip club. And these are lady, mature ladies in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and not children who are seven and eight and 11 years old. So there is a colossal, just because we can share the gospel in an environment doesn't justify the environment, right? And so that is kind of the third thing that I at least see. And look, I understand 90%, the stats say 90% of Christian parents have their children in public education. So mm-hmm. I am alone here or in minority for sure. I'm shocked at that. But uh, yeah, 85 to 90% is what the, all the stats say sure. of Christian parents. So they're buying into this and it makes me increasingly more passionate because of these three things I have brought up. But is there anything else that you would kind of offer before we, we're going to move on here because we have a little bit more to discuss and we'll be done. But Anything else? Let's stay here all day. (laughs) Do we have to stop? I just wanted to practice This will be the longest podcast ever. (laughs) With, you know, the comment I made about the homeschoolers possibly not being, the parents not being cut out. Sure. I love that there is such a great village, but I think those parents need to say, hey, I may not be equipped for this and reach out for help. And I think they're lacking in doing that with a lot of... You know, so I think that I just wanted to make sure that. And the other thing, I got you. I got you. Before we go on, maybe we're going on to this. I don't know if I talk too much. Just no, you're good. You're, I think I'm talking too much, but I'm, um, I'm worked up. I'm this just whole idea up. of you know not being a good fit for the parents. They're not equipped to be a homeschool parent. They don't know how to teach. They're not confident in teaching. They're not specialized. But back to this whole idea of the kids. Is it a good choice for the kids? Um, I just want to bring that back up because. Even if the parent is passionate, equipped, like I've had students in my class that like we just like I'm like trying to introduce this concept over and over several different ways that I know how. And I have a lot of tricks in my toolbox and then I run out. That kid has like some sort of processing issue that is not fully understanding. And so what happens then? You know, so like although it might not be a good fit for the parents, we have to consider the kids, too. And so I think that there are certain children that I I know that would be more successful in a public school setting or a private school setting socially and listening to someone who's not your parents. I can't tell you how many times I tell my parents in the classroom to not worry about homework. It's my job to teach. And like, I would rather you spend time with your kids and do all those things. And if they don't get that math homework, we'll go over it the next day. Because they don't want to listen to their parents half the time. So I just feel like as hard as it is for the parents to have to deal with that, it's hard for the kids to be like, oh, my mom and dad is telling me that do that again. You know, so I feel like that is worthy of bringing up again before we move on to something else. Yeah, and as an educator, like I... I saw the destruction with that, like, you know, trying to teach my child. And again, it was during the quarantine thing, but I didn't like that battle, you know, and I, I I definitely agree. Like your kids, Parker loved his teacher. Like it was just uh, something of pleasing. And like, for me, I love those kids. And that's just where my heart was. And it's a shared experience real quick before we move on. Family of three, rock star homeschool mom that I know personally, situations change, had to go to school. So I was asking this student, fourth grade going into fifth grade, do you like being in school? Do you miss homeschool in preparation for this podcast? And her response, I love school, but I do kind of miss watching TV a lot because there were three kids to homeschool. So like you consider that example. And I know it's just examples and every situation is different. But when there are more than one kid being schooled, you know, you're, you're, you're trusting in a television show that more than likely doesn't have a Christian worldview either that's molding our children. So. I just wanted to bring up that 
Hopefully, hopefully or not. Too. I mean, I think for a different podcast, we need to talk. We do need to address screen time because I think that a lot of the behavioral issues are drawn mm-hmm. back yes. to too much screen time, too much negligence on the part of Christian and non-Christian parents, myself included at times. Like it's easier just to throw your kids in front of a television set. I would just say this as much as I love you, Miss Felton. Um, I will never trust a fourth grader to tell me what is best for them. Well, and, you know? I, and not or even what, what's what, best. You know what? Well, especially best, a um, homeschooled fourth grader. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but meaning like. Like I think, I think Spurgeon might tell you, especially Evie, once she gets to age, Evie's four. I think she would love the social interaction of being in school more than being homeschooled, but she doesn't have the awareness. And I don't think a fourth grader, fifth grader, probably even a middle schooler would have the awareness to know how much better it might be not to sit in front of the television, but to be at home nurtured by their parent than potentially sure. than yeah. by an educator. But don't you That's, struggle with like they may not thrive in that environment then? I struggle that any parent who is loving their child well and striving to love Jesus and teach the truth to their children, all truth being God's truth, so math being part of God's truth and, and logic and science and so forth, that that is, I struggle to understand that that's not the best environment for my children. But people are welcome to disagree. I want to move to just really quick here because we don't have a ton of time left. Um We've, we've talked about kind of justification ideas for public education and potentially in ways that it's better than home education or private education. Not with, with 85 to 90% of Christians in general and probably at least 75 to 80% of, of Christians in our church using the public education system. Let me just say this because my views have been very clear, but I want, to, I want them to hear from you guys. Um, how do you as a parent or educator confront the influences upon your children in public education? If somebody chooses before the Lord in their conscience that this is the right thing. They pray through it. They believe that public education is the best. How then, what what advice would you give or what do you employ to combat the influences upon children that you're, you know, dropping off in the morning and they're around negative influence? And even if they're not hearing direct from the teachers, but they're they're in a system that is anti-God and they're around students that are not Christian. We love that conversation. Well, I, and I think I would say to your point earlier, yeah. so you brought up earlier, uh, we really didn't want our kid going to, I think, Belcher or Plum or something like that, right? And then we would have preferred Curtis or um, Plato. Sure. And we would, ag- well, I, we would agree. We're trying to do the same thing. Our kid just got into Curtis and it was like, fantastic. We, they made it into Curtis. The truth of the matter is that is the same content and criteria that, Plum and Bel Air sure. Elementary is yeah. teaching. Sure. So what are we really after? It's not so much the content. I think it's more the students and the influence the students have because at a Curtis Fundamental, you have a predominantly heavy parental involvement it's in required, all of those right. students' lives. Sure. And so everybody feels better with their kid going to Curtis Fundamental versus a Bel Air Elementary. Why? Because the parents are involved, which means that they discipline their children. They love their children. They're going to be better attentive in class, more equipped to do their homework. So the content is the same. And not that they couldn't at Bel Air Elementary, but they have to at Curtis, you're saying. Exactly. And thank you for making that point. Not that they couldn't over there, but the truth is there's more parental involvement. The kids are better behaved. They learn better because it's more structured. And there is a requirement for parents to be involved, which is a byproduct of a better education and a better type of student. So the content, the criteria is the same at Bel Air as it is Curtis. But what you have is a just more involved nuclear family unit that's involved at Curtis versus Bel Air. So I think when we're talking about 
but the point that you just brought up, how do you combat that is finding the schools that there are required parental involvement. If you're going to go that public school system route, there are better schools than others. And I mean, that's just the facts. Sure. And even if you can't, can't get into Curtis, I would say get involved. Like Sarah was saying, show up to those school board meetings. Like there be are involved. things you can do. Like how many? I mean, just you have a voice. I think parents don't understand they can request a different teacher that better suits their child if needed. I mean, to that sure. extreme. And again, because I, I struggle with if you don't get into these schools like Curtis or whatever the charter school is, you see so many parents just like feeling so defeated. Like, oh my word, what am I going to do with my child now for schooling? hey, your local zone school could be great. Be involved. Like then it's your community, the kids that they're going to be playing baseball with or sports with. And then the parents take on that role of being the salt and light in the world. And it's not on the kids, but if their parents are present and building these relationships and really like involved, I mean. Parents can go in and read to the class and work with students and volunteer and just be part of the, you know, classroom community. It takes a village. And I think think as Christians, we should, we talk about this a lot on this podcast, but we should- we should seek to not adopt the ways of the culture, but infiltrate the culture mm-hmm. with the message of Christianity, right. with the pro-Christian um, worldview, instead of being so vehemently against it all the time. <laughs> um, but you also mentioned, Sarah, and I think that this is not a point that we can just kind of brush over. You guys thrive on intentional conversations every day or almost every day when when Parker comes home from school about what he's learning and... Or just even the influences, because he'll even have a conversation after being in childcare here at the church about something someone did. And no, right? I know. So she's 100 percent. right. There's a kid that Parker really likes at school and they're they're buddies. He's not the greatest influence and he does things at home. And this might argue on your behalf. And this is where I think that they're Bring it on, bro. So there's some stuff that he will do or say. And we're like, whoa. Where did you learn Your that? Your wife is cringing over there. You know, but th- <laughs> what this does is he doesn't know that that is wrong, wrong right. until I teach him or Sarah teaches him or somebody at church teaches him. Because and the same behavior has happened at church, church as with it another child, the public school right. system. And so when you're talking about influence and uh, protecting our children, I agree with you 100%. They will, matter of the faculty, be exposed to things that they will not be exposed to in the pub, in the um, homeschool realm. Sure. That is, uh, there's no justifying that. But what that does to us is opens up the door to teach and critique and to shape and let them think critically, why don't I do this type of thing? Yeah. Instead of never really having to have trouble shot through it and then think why like my actions lead to this consequence. Um, it, I just think it lets them critically think and understand why we don't do this type of behavior, why we don't carry ourselves like this, why we don't say these types of words. I just think that's an opportunity again yeah. to teach our children. And he sees it. You know, I see, you know, the results of these conversations too. True. And I'm so passionate about social emotional learning and how that fits in with academics. And that's why I am a teacher and specifically third grade when they're eight and nine years old and they're, like not really good at solving their own problems, like as a teacher, and I understand I teach with a Christian worldview, but yeah. other teachers at my school even that don't maybe share their same say same belief system as I do, we're working through the problem solving. We're giving them tools to be able to do this. And although that can be done at the home, it's never done on the scale. Like their parents are going to re- love them regardless. Their siblings yeah. are going to love them regardless. But at school, it's still like questionable. And they come in tattletailing at the beginning of the year. And I always like start conversation like, well, I'm here, but what have you done to try to solve this? Because 
if there's a conflict at school and they're eight, nine years old, I mean, it's not going to be done well, but that person that has a conflict in high school is going to be far more successful because they've solved a lot of conflicts without their parents, even though they're going to go home and talk to their parents about that conflict. Because I hear that, you know, I hear yeah, parents man. or even just like the, the topic of gossip. I can't tell you how many times, like once you say a word, it, you can't take it back and we use analogies and my students go home and tell their parents about the analogies we use about toothpaste. And once you say it, you can't get everything back into that tub because it's once it said it's out there and, yeah. you know, like be thoughtful before you speak and those kind of things like they stick right? it ma- and it matters more when it comes from their teacher and yeah. no offense to parents than it does to parents. And that's why parents will reach out to me and be like, I just brought up this idea about, you know, our words matter. And they brought up an example you used at school as their teacher, like, thank you so much, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and you can do that with churches and different sure. mentors to your kids. I'm not saying you can't, but the value that school the school system has there is, I feel like, worthy of mentioning. No, it's great. I mean, I know when when Spurgeon, who's my oldest, went to kindergarten pretty much every day when I'd pick him up sometime that evening, we'd talk about what he learned mm-hmm. and what the influences upon him were. So I think that is critically important. Now, that it was those conversations were partly due to what drove me away from public sure. school because I was like, I do not like not. the conversations happening between six-year-olds mm-hmm. in the public school system already, even in, in something like Plato Academy. And But um, I think having those conversations, it's one thing to say that we need to have those conversations. It's another thing to actually, as a parent, somebody listening, to have those conversations with your kids about behaviors. The final thing we're going to finish with is, what do you think is the number one precaution parents of public school children should take? If you would say, hey, here's one thing that I would that I would advise upon um, that is a negative influence, that is something that, that parents should really consider. Danielle, you got anything for me? What comes to mind immediately? I always have immediate things that come to sure. mind. Give me some time and I'll reflect and have more. <laughs> but I feel like instilling this idea of curiosity to kids as a parent is so crucial so that they, they don't just like do what they're told. You know, like there's this concept of doing what you're told. And if you're in a public school system and you fall suit to a bad teacher or a bad school with a bad worldview in some state, you know, maybe that could happen. But I would say to challenge your kid to ask questions like, why do we do this? Or what's the reason behind it? And if they don't get a good answer at home, to bring those questions to me at home, you know, like trying to get them to be their advocate, because there's no way to help it if you're not aware of it. And I feel like that would be like my biggest advice to that. Definitely. Cool. Cool. Sarah, you got anything? Biggest precaution. I'm, I just, I think it's important for our kids to know that there are different children like um and that goes along with at belcher there was ebd children and so that was just not that it's a precaution but just opening their eyes to hey children are different and we have to be okay with that and just knowing how to treat children with disability or behavioral or maybe just their belief system i mean we're to be kind to everybody cool jay well i would say me as a social butterfly most (laughs) of uh, my caution and by the You don't grace, have any caution. I don't have caution. <laughs> I need caution in my you life. You do. You, you know, for somebody who's has very little caution, I, I feel like by the grace of God, my influences were two friends and that kept me... I know what I would have been like if that was not my primary influence. 100%. That and Sarah's papers. And Sarah's papers. Yeah. Uh, but if it was not for two Christian friends in school, sure. I can almost matter to the faculty tell you I would not be here with my beautiful wife and my family that seems to keep growing. Um, and yeah, number four coming soon. Day. By the time day. this podcast drops, yeah. we'll have four. four thing. Thank you guys for being on, on the podcast. I love what Danielle said. I also think the, the advice I would give if I had a, a child in public education is not only do we encourage curiosity and questioning, 
But we as parents have to answer why for our children, not just what or how. We've talked about that a lot, but Mm -hmm. we have to answer why gender identity and sexuality and creation and a world, Christian worldview, why these things matter, why good, moral, civil behavior matters, Mm -hmm. why the gospel matters. Like we have to give them why on these things because it's not enough just to say, believe this. Or this is how the, the Hainers or the Currens or the Felton, this is how we do things. And they go in and they don't know why, why? we do it that mm-hmm. way. And so I think talking them through why is critically important. Sarah, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, 39 weeks pregnant. I, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And you believe she's a year pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> Jason, it's always fun, man. You didn't bring the axe today. No, so no, no, axe. no, no, no fire, fire axe. axe. I want to end with a closing remark. Is that oh, allowed? Oh, let's go. Let's go. Well, oh, I, I just want to say, give her a I, mic. I, you know, I just want to put this out there sure. that if I was married in a situation that I could homeschool, I'm not saying that I wouldn't. And I think sure. that there are really successful homes. I don't want it to seem like I'm bashing. Same. I, I don't. I, I hope I nobody like would so, take yes. that, that. There's any bashing okay. on. on I just had to say that. The only bashing day was on public school. So and that was for me. No, I'm just joking. Nobody's bashing anybody. Like at the end of the day. While it is not a great argument to say, you just do you and do however the Lord leads, that's so subjective in the sense of like we have biblical principles to follow at the same time as we follow those biblical principles, every man, woman, father, mother has to be convinced in their conscience before the Lord what is right and true and good. And they have to be proactively involved with their children, praying for their children, disseminating truth to their children, regardless of what educational option they choose. So All right, good. I'm glad we yes. had those closing yeah. remarks. I, hey, feel, I, I feel I, better I, now. I feel, I feel good. <laughs> I need you on every podcast to wrap things up. 100% anti-homeschool. So. Uh-huh. Okay, well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Until next time, folks. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about the show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.